at 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, and this evening I'm going to read uh, the first eight verses uh, of this chapter, and I would like you to keep your Bible open because we'll refer uh, several times to uh, the scripture tonight, but I want to be very, very practical, very helpful this evening, and uh, it'll the message tonight will seem more like a Bible study probably than a Sunday night message uh, but I believe it's something that will help us as we look into Second Chronicles chapter number 32. We've already had a great day, and I enjoyed the service this morning and then the music. Uh, both groups tonight, just outstanding, and I appreciate all the hard work that goes into our music. Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter number 32, <clears throat> let's begin reading with verse number 1. After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came in. Now, let me just mention very, very quickly, this is a whole uh, another message, but I want to enter it. Notice it says, after these things in the establishment thereof, there were some good things that happened in the people of God. Some things got established. As soon as those things were established, Sennacherib, a king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fence cities and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took the counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Also he strengthened himself. And build up all the wall that was broken, and raised it up to the towers, and another wall without, and repaired Milo in the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Uh, there's two main characters, if you will, uh, in this uh, story. Uh, you have uh, the wicked king of Assyria, Sennacherib, uh, who comes to conquer uh, the people of God, the city of God for himself. You have the king of God's people, Hezekiah. Hezekiah is, a, is an interesting Bible character. In some respect, as I read about Hezekiah, I really like him. But then I read a little bit further, and I'm like, what is this guy's problem? Uh, and then, I, and then it, it, it dawns on me that's, that's typically the story of all of us. Uh, we have strengths. We have weaknesses. We have victories. We have defeats. But here, Hezekiah does some very wise things. And I want us to look tonight at this passage of Scripture, and we'll look at uh, a couple other places in chapter number 32 tonight, but I want to be very, very practical this evening, and I want to speak on this subject, leadership lessons of King Hezekiah, leadership lessons of King Hezekiah. Our, our, Our nation today needs leadership. We need it politically. I'm thankful and we can talk all night long of, of, of his strengths and his weaknesses, but I'm thankful that we have a president who is, who is a leader. We have some leadership. Now, if, if the rest of our politicians would get on board and lead, that would be a wonderful thing. But our churches need leadership. 
we need strong leadership in the pulpit. We need strong leadership amongst the men. I'm thankful that the Emmanuel Baptist Church, uh, it's a church uh, for everyone. It's a church for families, but I'm glad that we have uh, men in this church. This is a man's church. There's leadership. We need leadership in our homes. Uh, we need, uh, our families need leadership. And tonight I want to be very practical and, and point out some lessons that I think that we can copy, that we can emulate in our everyday lives in the area of leadership that God gives us. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for another opportunity to open the Word of God. Already today we've been helped by the Bible. I pray that this evening uh, as we look into this story, we look into, uh, get just a glimpse of Hezekiah, may uh, we find these positive uh, leadership qualities that we see. May we in, 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 in enable, enable us to be able to incorporate them into our life. We ask your hand of blessing on the remainder of the service, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the battle has been brought to uh, God's people. Uh, God has uh, allowed the enemies to come uh, to uh, his people into Hezekiah. We see again in verse number 1, after these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came. God's people were minding their own business. God's people were just trying to do what it is that they needed to do. Uh, the people of God, because of their own foolishness, their own, their own rebellion, uh, they have this uh, feast and famine relationship with God. When they pull away from God, uh, there's consequences to that. But now they're just trying to do what it is that, that, that is tasked in front of them. And now here comes Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He comes to Judah and he wants to win the city to himself. Sennacherib was a wicked king. He was a mighty king. He comes and he wants to conquer the people of God. And isn't that a lot how life is? It just seems that just about the time we seem to get a grasp of things in our life, things in our world, uh, that it seems we're minding our own business, that's when the problem comes. That's when the devil decides to mess with us. Have you noticed that? That you seem like everybody in your family is doing well? You know, the kids are halfway behaving, that things are doing well, mother-in-law moves to the other side of the world. I mean, God, God is just blessing. Oh, that was a wishful thought that came out of my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, God, God, God is just blessing, and it's at that moment... That the trouble comes. It's after a great victory. It's after times of peace and prosperity. The enemy comes. It is true in our life. That is when leadership is important. That is when leadership is vital. And let me just say what I think we all know tonight. If, if, you're, if you're the man of your house, first of all, you don't have to declare that if you're really the man of your house. But if you're the man of your house, if you are the leader, you're expected to lead. Uh, step up and take leadership. Take leadership in your relationship. Take leadership in your home. Uh, as leadership in the church, it's, it, it, I, I am the leader. I am the one that God is going to hold accountable. I, I have to lead in times that calls on leadership. and it, It's true in every area of our life. All of us, I would imagine, in some regard, have an area of leadership. And this evening, as the, there are times when battles come to Christians. They come to churches, as we well know. They come to homes. There might be somebody, I would say, this, the number of people who are here tonight, there's probably somebody that we're unaware of, I'm unaware of it, that you're having a real battle 
The enemy has come to you. The devil has brought something to your front door. Uh, life itself has uh, running very smoothly, then all of a sudden, uh, here the enemy has come, the king has come to conquer for himself. There's some leadership qualities, there's some leadership uh, things that we'll see in the life of King Hezekiah that I think will help all of us. I want us, as I preached this morning, I want us as Christians, I want us to build our lives and to be stronger Christians. I want our homes to be strengthened. I want our church to be stronger. We have a strong church, but I want it to be stronger than it's ever been. It takes leadership for that to take place. Men, you can't lead your home until you first lead yourself. Uh, if you have a lead, uh, an area of responsibility in a ministry, you can't lead others until you first lead yourself. Uh, it's, it's a responsibility that we have, and we must be reminded tonight that there are others who are depending on us. There are others who are counting on us. Let's look at our story tonight, and I believe there will be some leadership lessons that will be a help to us. Uh, read with me in verses 2 through 6 again. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come, and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo in the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance. He set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city. Let me give you the first leadership lesson that I see here. Uh, Hezekiah prepared as best as he could. The king had come, purposed to fight, but Hezekiah didn't wait for the first shot to be fired. He prepared. He prepared as best he could before the battle started. There's a lot of wisdom in that for a king. We see some of the things he did. He stopped up the water so that when the enemy came, they wouldn't have the benefit of the water. He, he fortified their city. He, he built up the walls. He, he, he made darts and shields, and he got the weapons of war ready. And he did the best he could. He prepared the best he possibly could for the battle to come. How foolish would it have been for Hezekiah to wait for Sennacherib to actually fire the first shot, to come and start the battle. Once he saw that the enemy had come, once he saw that the battle was on the horizon, he prepared himself. And friend, if we get nothing else this evening, I, I hope that we get this. If you wait until the time of the battle before you prepare yourself spiritually, more than likely you're going to be defeated. More than likely, you're going to lose before it ever gets started. I'll give you an, a, a simple example. How many Christians, that when they get in the battle and they, get, and they get defeated, then they run the church, then they run to God. If they had been in church all along, if they had been in the Word of God all along, they may not have avoided the battle, but they might have been prepared for it. That's why as you sit in the services week in and week out, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Bible study, there might be a subject preached. You say, well, that doesn't apply to me. You might want to take it and apply it 
so that when the enemy comes in that area, you're ready for it. They prepare, he prepared as best as he could. He did not know everything he was going to face with this enemy. But he knew it was a mighty enemy. He knew it was a wicked enemy. And the best he could, he prepared himself in this situation. See, that's what we all ought to do. We ought to prepare ourselves. Prepare yourself spiritually. I'd rather be prepared and not, and not go into battle than not be prepared and have to fight a battle. Let's prepare ourselves. Much of Christianity, much of success in Christianity is being prepared for what might come. Being prepared for what we might face. And that's why we should put on the armor of God, we're told. The, the, the devil is not going to, he's not going to announce to you, I'm coming after you on this day at this time and this way. Oh, time out. Let me run home and get my armor. No, we're supposed to be ready. We must prepare. Be prepared in your Christian life. Be prepared as best you can. You don't know. It's true. And uh, some of you are older than me. Uh, many of you are younger than me. Uh, you, we don't know what life, you're, we could be surprised at what life has already brought us. And there will be more surprises in the future. That's why it's important for us to build our Christian life. Build our Christian life. Build our Christian life. Build your home. The greatest thing you parents that have young children can ever do, more than you leaving them an inheritance, more than you uh, do, doing nice things for them, is having them in the Word of God, having them grow up in a Christian home, your children grow up in a Christian home, having them built around the church so that their lives can be built so that they can face, prepare. He prepared the best he could for the enemy to come. Boy, we would be wise in preparing the best we can. Uh, that's why um, I, I rejoice as the pastor of this church in what God has done, what God is doing. And there's a lot to be excited about. Man, there's a lot to praise the Lord about. And we, we, God has been so good to us and the things that he's enabled us to do and in the church here and the ministry here and how he's expanded it. Boy, it is exciting to think about. But I'm also, as we rejoice in building, preparing, preparing for what we might face, preparing for what we might come, might come, we have to stay focused on the Word of God. So he prepared as best he could. Leadership does that. In your home, prepare your family, prepare yourself. It's the day that you don't prepare. It's the day that you're not ready, you're not vigilant. That's in that, in that moment of weakness. That's in that time of lack of preparation. Well, when I need God, I'll find him. It's too late. Well, when such and such, if I ever get in trouble, I'll come back and say, well, you're already in trouble. He prepared as best he could. <clears throat> Notice number two. This is a great thing in verse number six. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street and the gate of the city. Okay, get, 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 the, get, get the picture now. This Sennacher was a mighty king. He conquered all that was in his path. He was a pagan king. Uh, and, and we'll not have time tonight, but I, I would encourage you to read through this entire chapter and, and listen to himself give testimony of how he's conquered people and he's conquered gods, little g-gods. He was a mighty enemy, and Hezekiah, once he realized he had purposed in his heart, they began to take some 
some, some preparations and they stopped the water so he, he, as, they, as they assembled against, they wouldn't have water to, to, to water their, their, their horses and water for them to drink. And he built up the fortifications and then he set captains of war over the people. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lead this group and you're going to lead this group and you're going to lead this group and gather them together to him in the street of the gate of the city. They're getting ready to go to war, getting ready to defend their city, ready to defend their home. We understand where we're at? Notice the last phrase of verse number 6. And spake comfortably to them, saying, well, the second leadership lesson I want us to see tonight is he gave assurances. He gave assurances. He spake comfortably to them. Here's their king. Here's their leader. He's made some preparations. And now he's speaking comfortably to them. Be strong. Be courageous. And let me go ahead and say this and file it away. And I'll refer back to it in just a moment. If you're in a position of leadership, remember it's just not what you say, but how you say it. Remember it's, that as a leader, the people you follow watch you. Mom and dad, you might be in a, a serious situation. You might be battling for your very existence. There might be crisis going on. But you need to keep in mind that your children are watching. Not just what you do, but how you interact with them. It's going to be okay is a lot more reassuring that it's going to be okay. I promise it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Oh gosh, what are we going to do? It's going to be okay. It's going to be no, no, no. We got too much of that as Christians. And as a leader, he gave assurance. I don't know what was in the heart of Hezekiah. I don't know how afraid he was, but I probably think he had a little fear in him. And he spake comfortably to him. All followers look to their leaders for assurance. A native, our nation looks to its president. I, we just celebrated the, I remembered better, the better word, the anniversary of 9-11. And when our nation was attacked, but as a nation, we look to our president to give us an assurance that everything's going to be okay. A part of being okay is for us to take care of the ones that did that. We looked to our, our leader for assurance. A soldier looks to his general for assurance. We're going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay. A church looks to its pastor. Children Look to their parents. A leader must be strong for the sake of the follower. Listen to me tonight. Burdens can get heavy. Hearts can be broken. You may have a Spouse that depends on you tonight. You may have children that depends on you. You may be in some other position where there's others that depend on you. You've got to get a. You got to get it together. Let me just be blunt like that. Because there's those that follow you. They're looking to you. They're looking to you for assurance. 
part of our responsibility as leaders is to assure the followers that it's going to be okay. Part of our responsibility is to give them courage. If Hezekiah was running around terrified and his voice was two octaves higher because of the fear and saying, oh, please be of courage, oh, please be of courage, how much courage do you think they would have gotten? Probably not much. I wonder how many children of Christian homes have been taught fear because the leadership that they had in their life, that's all they showed. We're never told not to ever be afraid. We're told where fear comes from. It doesn't come from God. But how can we assure those who depend on us if we're not assured of the promises of God? Not you, you may be facing something that even I'm not aware of. And the situation brings fear, but there's somebody looking to you for leadership. You don't have the luxury of not depending on God. You don't have the choice of panic and the choice of giving up and the choice of making an unwise decision because there are those that God has placed in your life to follow you. And whether you believe it or not, you need to speak comfortably to them. Kids, God will take care of us. Well, what's going to happen? God will provide. I don't know what God's doing, but I know He's in control. That's speaking comfortably. So, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. Well, say it like you believe it. And if you say it enough to comfort others, you might just start believing it yourself. I wonder how much it strengthened the king to walk with those captains he had set up. He said, now be of good courage. Be of good courage. Fear not. And then as he looked in their eyes and they nod their heads, I wonder after he began to say that over and over again how much he got strengthened. To speak comfortably. Oh, it's all, a lot of it is in how we, we speak to those that follow us. He gave assurance. I love that. He spake comfortably to them. It's going to be okay. God's going to take care of it. God will see us through. Uh, he, spake, he gave assurances. Number three, we look at the assurances that he gave them in verses 7 and 8 and follow along with me. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us. And to fight our battles, and the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. The third leadership lesson I want to see tonight is he gave the followers something to depend on. Notice, and the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah had to rest himself in the promises of God. The words he spake, those comforting words, speaking comfortably, speaking softly, 
speaking with assurance. The Bible says that the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. He gave the people something to depend on. He gave the people something to count on. He gave the people something to comfort them. And when they saw the enemy and when they heard the boastings of the king, uh, that, that enemy king, they, they could comfort themselves with the words of Hezekiah. Our king reminded us, and look at what he reminded them. He said, be strong and courageous. That's always a good admonition. Hey, you got to be strong. you got to be courageous. And I have a whole message on the home and, and rearing children that I'm going to preach it in, in, in the future. But I, let me just say this. Sometimes you got to say, go fight your battle. Go face... He, it, they were facing a battle. They were facing an enemy that wanted to destroy them. And the words, just be strong. Just be courageous. In the South, we say it like this, suck it up. You've got, you've got to be strong for the king of... Uh, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him. Can you imagine as the multitudes that had assembled against them, they could see them, they could see the armies, they could see the number of the enemy. Hezekiah is saying, Be not afraid or dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor all the multitude that is with him. You see it in your Bible, therefore there be more with us than with him. I wonder if there's somebody on this side of the wall with the king. He said, There be more with us. Don't be afraid or dismayed for that king and his armies. There be more with us than with him. And somebody, there's always somebody. One, two, three, four, looking around. I'm not sure how good the king was at math, but uh, there seems to be a whole lot more out there than there, there is in here. Well, look at what he gave them the rest on. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. He gave them something to hold to. What did he give them to hold to? He gave them the reminder that God had promised to fight their battles. Let me, let, let, let me, let me, let me help you with, with leading, and let me help you in dealing with your leader. In this case, uh, will you use the, the pastor as an example? Well, get, give those that follow you some assurances. Give them, remind them of what God has done in the past and what he will do. But those of you that lead your home or you lead some area of ministry, you lead people in some regard, it's not your responsibility to have all the answers. It's your responsibility as a leader to give them something to depend on. Dad, it's not your responsibility to have the answers for all, everything that you deal with as a family. It's your responsibility to say, God is with us so that those that you lead can depend on God and not put all their hope on you. Don't miss this. Hey, Mom, might make you a little uncomfortable here for a minute. It's not your responsibility to solve all the problems for your children. 
Although there's something inside of you that wants to. It's your responsibility in a leadership role to give your children somebody they can depend on that is greater than you. No, it was a great day in my ministry when I realized and was reminded it's not my, as much as I would love to solve the problems that you deal with, it's not my responsibility. Much of a counseling session and much of what I do from behind the pulpit and much of what I do before and after a service and in conversations it, it is not to solve your problems. But just to give you something from Monday to Saturday until the next Sunday to rest on, to hold to. That's the responsibility we have as leadership. And sometimes, as a follower, we get frustrated because we want the leadership to solve our problems for us. It is not your pastor's responsibility to solve your problems. It is just my responsibility to remind you of the one who can solve your problems. And if I can just remind you that we have a God who's greater than the enemy. We have a God who's greater than our, than our adversary. We have a God who's greater than our circumstances. We have a God who's greater than our burdens and our disappointments. And we can depend on Him. And, just, and that's much of what Sunday is. Is hey, we've got a God bigger than this. We have a God we can depend on. And then we'll leave and we'll just rest on those words. The worst thing a leader can do is try and solve every problem for those that follow. It's not, it's, 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 it's not my responsibility for you to be right with God. It's not my responsibility for you to even survive. Now, there's sometimes, that's why God gives you a pastor. That's why he gives you spiritual companions. Sometimes our knees buckle. Isn't it wonderful to have somebody there? To grab us by the arm, figuratively speaking, and sometimes literally, say, hey, you keep moving forward. But we're just an arm of flesh. I may be your pastor, but I'm flesh. And, and a lot of my pastoring, you young men that want to train for the ministry, you get this, you don't solve anybody's problem. You're just pointing them to the one who is bigger, who is greater. And we fail in leadership when we take on the unreasonable and the impossible task of trying to solve problems for people. It's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to remind them of the one who's bigger than their problems. Well, I, it, it, it thrills my heart, thrills my soul. Pastor, could, this is the situation I'm, I'm, I'm facing. This is, can you pray with me? Absolutely, I can pray with you. What can you do? And, and sometimes I can say, try A, B, and C. That might help in this situation. And, and one of those works. It's, it's something that maybe I have experience with, something that I've dealt with before. But there's sometimes, there's many times like I have nothing, I have no idea. I'll pray with you and we'll just wait for the Lord to give the answer.
And sometimes, and I've been on this side of it too, sometimes you can sense some frustration. Not necessarily at me or the, the leadership that we're going to. We want, it, we want the burden gone. We want the problem solved. God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God puts us in a situation where we go to our spiritual leadership. They don't have the answer. I'll pray with you on that. I always find it humorous, and I'm not going to tell you when, the, when these situations are. But sometimes somebody will shoot me a text. Hey, I'm facing this. Can you pray with me on this? Or they'll call me, or I'll see them at church and say, Pastor, I really, I really, can you, can you? And I'll, and I'll say, I'll, I'll pray about it. And I'm always very careful to, to, to jot something in my Bible so that I remember and so I can follow up on it and, and, and pray for it. And, and then I'll get a text. Thank you for praying. Pastor, thanks for working that out for me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't do a thing. I prayed. That was it. What is it? God working it out. God taking care of it. So whatever side of the leadership spectrum you're on tonight, it's not your leader's job to solve your problem. It's your leader's responsibility to just keep pointing you to the one who can solve your problems. You young people, you teenagers, and I, I guess this could apply some to, to the young adults, but hopefully not as much. Hey, it's not your mom and dad's responsibility to solve all your problems. And this is hard for parents because the older they get, we ought to be training them to, to need us less, to be less dependent on us. But it's our responsibility to just point them to one. And he gave his followers something to depend on. Much of leadership is just reminding the follower who God is. And they rested on that. Number four, we find the king's response by seeking God. From verse 9 down through verse 19, we find the enemy, Sennacherib, laying siege on the city and then speaking against. And it's really a message in itself for another time. And I, I believe I will preach it sometime in the future. But by attacking God, he also attacks the leader that God's given them. And he begins to try and persuade them and tell them that they're going to be defeated. And humanly speaking, there is nothing Hezekiah can do. Sennacherib, if you study the scripture and you even study the historical period there, mighty king, mighty army, wiping people out. He comes to win the city of God for himself. And he is boasting and he is speaking to the people and telling them, by your loyalty to the king and to your God, it's going to be the end of you because I destroy armies, I destroy gods. And we find in verse number 19, and they spake against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. I want you to look at verse number 20. And for this cause... Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos prayed and cried to heaven. His response 
is one if I just got to go to God. You know, sometimes leaders, and I'm, I've been guilty of this more than I should have been. When I see a problem, I do try and solve it. And, and from, a, from a practical standpoint, as, as the leader of my own home, I want to solve the problems that, that my loved ones face. I want to try and solve my own problems. As the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, when you have a difficulty, when you have something that you're going through, if, if I can solve it, I want to solve it for you. And sometimes it, it, it's a great weakness of mine because I'll try and take things out of God's hands and try and solve it myself. But this is, a, this is a victory when you get to this place in your leadership, whether it's leading your home or leading in some area of ministry, when you get to the place when all you can do is go to God, you're not in a bad place. And sometimes the problem can't be solved. Study this out. God put them in this situation where they could not defeat the army. To send a clear message to the world at that time, it doesn't matter how mighty the king, how mighty the army, how vulnerable my people seem to be, I am Jehovah God. He wanted to send that message. Pastor, I'm at a place in my life, all I can do is pray and ask God for a miracle. That's not a bad place to be. That's a good place to be. And sometimes, God knows how we are. God knows our tendencies. He knows our lack of faith. He knows what we default to in our actions, in our thinking. And He puts us purposely as an individual Christian, as a family, as a church, as His people, in a situation where we cannot depend on the arm of flesh. We, all we can do is just go to God. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and prophet Isaiah the son of Amos prayed and cried to heaven. Verse 21, And the Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame on fa of face to his own land. When he was coming to the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. Many brought gifts unto the Lord of Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all the nations from henceforth. Hezekiah goes to God. God sends an angel, and God, that one angel, takes care of it. Don't you... Don't you don't you just love how God does things? The boastful, mighty Sennacherib. I, we don't have time, but he's just bragging. It's recorded in Scripture how he's bragging. He destroys nations. Those other gods couldn't save those people from me. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. When he was coming to the house of his God, then it came forth of his own bowels, his own family, slew him there with the sword. Um, God brought the victory. Who got glory 
for that victory. Certainly, Scripture tells us Hezekiah was magnified, but Hezekiah didn't get the glory. God did. Well, I guess we got a whole lot of extra shields and darts we don't need. We've, we've, we've lost it somewhat, I think, in leadership of our homes, in leadership of ministry. To touch back on the previous point in the, in the close tonight. Leadership is a great responsibility that God places on us. Young men, don't get married unless you're ready to be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't get married. Couples don't have children unless you're going to be the spiritual leaders. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Be prepared to lead them spiritually. A young man or shouldn't ever take a position of leadership in ministry unless they themselves, nobody should, are prepared for the responsibility of leadership. But leadership has gotten to a place, I believe, and maybe it's always been this way, where it's more about a title, it's more about a status, it's more about an achievement. We're so ambitious in our society, and nothing wrong with that as long as it's, it, it's, it's surrendered to the Lord. But the leadership that we try and attain in a Fortune 500 company isn't the same as spiritual leadership that God puts upon us with leading a marriage, leading a home, leading an area of ministry. Its responsibility in a nutshell is to prepare for the battle to come. Is to prepare for what we might face in the future. It is to have enough so we can see the, 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 the battle brewing and I need to be prepared as possible we have babies in the nursery. Can you hear them back there? We have babies in the nursery tonight. Parents, let me give you some very good practical advice. You better start preparing for when they turn 13 and 14 and 15, especially if they're female. You better start preparing now. Because let me tell you what some are smiling and nodding their head tonight. They get from six months to 16, literally, what seems like overnight. And if you're not preparing now, you're going to be unprepared for what the world throws at your home when you get there. You're going to be unprepared for what you face. Hey, I could, I could use this very practically tonight for, 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 for couples when, when your children have gotten that point and they're about ready to get out of the house and you've got this next stage, you better start preparing for when it's just the two of you. That's why, and I, I'm getting off subject a little bit, but it certainly applies. Hey, those kids you have responsibility to, but they should not run the home. They, 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 they should not determine the schedule. 
They should not determine who sleeps where at night. They should not determine uh, what, what, uh, whether, whether or not mom and dad are, 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 are speaking to each other. They shouldn't determine what goes on because one day they're all going to be gone. And if you don't like each other then, you better start preparing now. I've used this as an illustration. Well, I've got, I've got three girls, as you know. And they're all, they're, they're all daddy's girls, and, and there's not a guy on the planet good enough for them. If you can afford them, you can have them. But there's not a guy good, and, good, good enough for them. And I used to say, oh, when they're little, real little, when are you, don't, you're never getting married, are, are you? No, daddy, no, daddy, no, daddy. Okay, you can get married when you turn 40 because you're my little girl. I said this to all of them, I don't want you to leave. And I've been using this as an illustration a lot, so you can see what's in my heart. Look, I walk through the house now, why are y'all still here? When are you leaving? Get a job. I'm enjoying where we are. I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I had some leadership in my life that taught me when they're before, and I give this counsel with, with young couples, before you ever get married, before you have a child, decide how you're going to discipline them. Because the first time, especially, especially if it's a girl, have you noticed the pattern here? And they look at you, and they, you know they did something they shouldn't do, and they look at you with those big brown eyes. Daddy, I love you. You better have already decided how you're going to discipline. Leadership is preparing for what's coming next. A lot, There's a lot of failures... I could charge for what I'm giving tonight. A lot of failures in leadership is because leadership is playing from behind, trying to catch up from where they are right now. They didn't take the time to prepare. So, so, some of you, you, you know, I speak specifically to some of the young men, the single young men that are around here. I want you to take leadership, but you better be preparing now for it. Some of you think you're ready to take the world by the tail, and you're ready to take hold of life, and you're not prepared for it. You hadn't even prepared to be 25, much less have, have, a, have a job, have a career, have a family, take care of anything. If you have a goldfish, it'd die. Prepare. Prepare. It's, part, it's responsibility of leadership. Responsibility of leadership is to prepare for what's coming. Responsibility for leadership is to assure those around you, even when you're not assured. To speak comfortably. You can tell when a leader is losing it in his tone. Speak comfortably. Speak comfortably. Speak assuredly. It's going to be okay. If there's anybody running around the house like your hair is on fire, it shouldn't be the leader. What do we do? What do we do? You may feel it. And I've, all, I've given this counsel too, and some of you, I, 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 you probably did it. If you've got to do that, go in a, in a desolate place where nobody can see you and hear you and do it there. Get it out. Then come back and assure those that live in your house it's going to be okay. Assure those who God has placed under you, it's going to be okay. Hey, be strong. 
Well, how's it going to work out? I just said, be strong. Be of good courage. Let me just remind you, there's more of us than there is of them. And you're always going to have one smart aleck deacon's wife that's in the back counting. I said that so all of y'all can start, start placing in your mind who it is to you. And, and they can, you just start counting, oh, no, no, no. But you speak it surely, because what, what's a leader supposed to do? He's not supposed to solve all the problems. Why in the world is everybody looking at Amy Harris? That's all I want to know. <laughs> a leader is not supposed to solve the problems. The leader is supposed to assure those that follow there is one who can solve the problems. This would eliminate a lot of frustration in, in the life of a lot of parents. Lord, 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 Lord taught me this lesson when we went through what we went through as a couple with losing Amanda. Because as a man, I, I'm supposed to protect my family. I'm supposed to shield my wife. Here is something I couldn't change, I couldn't solve. I couldn't keep the sorrow away. But the Lord used that situation to teach me many lessons, but, but also this one, I'm not supposed to be able to solve every problem. But I'm just supposed to, as a leader, say, it's going to be okay. God's going to get us through it. Give those around you that God's entrusted you something to hang on to, something to, to be encouraged by. Remind them that there is somebody who's got it under control. And then leadership is when we don't have the answer, backs against the wall, we just go to God. Wait on God to do that which we cannot do. He can solve the problem. He sent one angel and defeated the old army. And God did not even need that angel to kill the king. You know, as we would design it, in our mind, Hezekiah draws a sword, leaps over the wall, single-handedly, no, God says, okay, you brought it to me, and let me take care of it. Boy, that's, we, we need leaders in our homes. And it's more than picking up a leadership book off of a shelf getting a few statements that are quotable. It's living these principles, these truths. Father, help us to...